community health centers? What role do they play in healthcare delivery? Do community health centers only care for the poor? Stay tuned as we answer these questions and hear how the CHC movement began on this episode of The One in Five. Welcome to the one in five, the show for those who want to know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Renshaw, and in today's show, we have Dr. David Mark and Kent Dowdy with us, and we're going to be talking about community health centers. Guys, this is part one in a series we are doing on community health centers. And in this episode, we will be explaining CHCs and how they came to be. Part two, we will tell the story of how Bighorn Valley Health Center was birthed to meet the healthcare needs in rural Eastern Montana. And part three will tell the story of how BVHC merged with a number of other CHCs in Eastern and Central Montana and how One Health came into existence. So stay tuned. For those of you who don't know who Dr. Mark and Kent Dowdy are, I just want to give you a brief introduction. Dr. Mark is the CEO of One Health Community Health Center and a medical doctor, and many of our listeners already know him as he has been my primary guest over the last six or so podcasts. But you don't know Kent Dowdy. He is the VP of Development of One Health Community Health Center and has spent a number of years in the FQHC world, including a long stint as the CEO of a health center in Miles City. Both of these men have great business minds, are always looking for ways to innovate, and have compassionate hearts that desire to see every community member's health care needs taken care of. How's that for an intro? Love it. <laughs> I said it because they never will. And I, I, uh, I'm blessed to know you guys and glad to have you here on the show today. Let's get into this episode about community health centers. Um, in the intro, Kent, we talked about CHCs and FQHCs. Are these terms interchangeable? Um, and then a second question is, what are community health centers or federally qualified health centers? And after you've given a short explanation, would you just give us a brief introduction about how they came to be? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Adam, for having me. And welcome back, Dr. Mark, from your lovely tour abroad. Boston. So, thank you. Boston. So your question, Adam, related to community health versus federally qualified health center. So the answer, the simple answer is yes, those, those terms can be used interchangeably. However, I think... We like to see it as community health is a way for our community members to grab onto what it means. What does community health mean? It's it's a whole person. It's a whole community. It's the health of our community. The FQHC is in 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 my mind is is really a way to describe the the organizational structure and how we get our funding as a federally qualified health center. It doesn't mean as much. People can't grab onto that. It's this big long name and 
you know, oh, that's great, a federally qualified health center. So what does that mean for me? When we when we talk about community health, our our, our patients and our clients can grab onto that. For sure. Because it's about them. Um, so, so the answer is yes, they're used interchangeably. However, we prefer to share with our community that it's about community health. Sure. Yeah. When, when someone asks me, where do you work or what do you do? I don't say I work for an FQHC. Typically I will say I work for a local community health center and that's because of that emphasis, right? Like exactly. it's about the community health. So cool. So they are interchangeable community health center or CHC and FQHC, which is federally qualified health center. Um, how did they come into existence? Yeah, so we'll 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 give the Reader's Digest version, the shortened version. So not your PowerPoint version, no, not the PowerPoint <laughs> version. Um, so if we if we go back now, almost fifty years, um, a gentleman by the name of Jack Geiger, who also happened to be a physician, um, had a, had a model of essentially caring for our community by by the people for the people, so to speak, um, where it was holistic care being provided to anyone in the community, but really born from this place of lots of folks who can't access high quality care because of a number of reasons. I mean, it's, it could be poverty related. It could be job related. It could be um, transportation related. So kind of that whole social determinants and what we like to look at when we take care of somebody, it's not just about, it's not just about physical health or mental and behavioral health. It's about the whole person and, and what, what, what are the barriers for them to be able to access care that they might need? Because we all know that getting your primary care at an emergency department is not only inefficient, it's also very expensive. Yeah. And so Dr. Jack Geiger was, was the main champion godfather, if you will, of community health centers back in the mid sixties. Um, and then what was born from that was really, it started out as, as neighborhood care. So the idea in urban and in, in rural was how do we create a model that provides this care to the masses, to all, but functionally it's, it's being brought to people by, by their local peers, essentially. I mean, it's, it's governed by a board that's made up of the very people that are being cared for. Um, it's looking at the whole person and not just the physical health component. Um, so neighborhood care then transitioned into community health centers or federally qualified health centers. And I believe that was somewhere around, and Dr. Mark maybe knows more about this, but I want to say the late sixties, early seventies was when like the national association, and it might've been the national association of neighborhood healthcare at the time that is now what is now the national association of community health centers or NAC, NACIC. As, we, as we call it, NACIC. Does Do people call it NACIC? Cause I've heard somebody say that before, but I've also heard people say NAC. NAC. Okay, knack. Knack. Yeah. I kind of like knackic. Okay, I don't want to get on that tangent. And so, Adam, there were there were historically two original health centers, one in, in Mississippi and one in Dorchester, Massachusetts, which is essentially Boston, okay. which Dr. Mark could tell us all about Dorchester or Dorchester, as they say in New England. <laughs> um, Dorchester. Dorchester. And, and so... Those were, those were kind of the, you know, the, the start up health centers in the, in our, in, in the U S for delivering what was then called community health centers. And, and really it was backed by, you know, it was nonpartisan support really. And the, you know, the, the federal government wanted to help and provide 
funding that could care for all populations, regardless of their ability to pay, which is why part of the model of community health centers or FQHCs are really, we we're, we're care for all comers. Okay. So we don't, we, we don't make decisions based on, Oh, you, you have insurance. And so we'll see you or, Oh, and you don't. So we won't. Um, part of the grant funding that comes from the federal government is specifically to subsidize the care that we provide those that don't have a payer source or don't have insurance. And then we obviously slide our fees based on family income and, um, you know, income guidelines according to family. So that was kind of the birth of community health. Um, and then for the last 50 years, which is really cool is, you know, regardless of the president, regardless of who's in Congress, we've had this bipartisan wide sweeping support over all these years and which has allowed for more and more community health centers to, to you know, to start and, and grow. And I, and I believe that now there's over 1400 community health centers in the U S with many of which we're included multiple locations, multiple sites. And we serve, I I think it's somewhere North of 30 million people in the country. Wow. Community health centers care for 30 million people in the U S. So when you, when you look at the numbers of people that we serve and the number of encounters and then in the types of services that we provide that includes medical behavior and mental health, substance use, dental vision. I mean, it's pharmaceutical. It's, yep. Yep. Pharmaceutical and medication. So it's very comprehensive and we welcome anyone, which is part of the biggest reason why I think most of us get into this is it's about the mission and the vision of what we do and how we help people. What is the mission of one health? Dr. Mark. So our mission statement says that our, we exist to improve the well-being of everyone by providing accessible quality healthcare for the whole community. For the whole community. Yeah. So it's really, it's really just as Kent said, it's all about taking care of whole people, whole families and whole communities. Great. So what I'm hearing you say is that it was sort of birthed to care for those potentially who um, didn't have the means um, to be able to afford uh, healthcare uh, with insurance or, or more expensive healthcare. And, um, but that's not all that uh, CHCs serve, right? Because uh, do CHCs accept insurance and do they accept patients who have insurance right. as well? Exactly. Okay. So whether you have insurance or whether you don't, we will see you. So just, you know, you think of private practice clinics that we might be used to in our community that they take these 50 different, you know, insurance, sure. insurances. We see those with insurance. We see those without, we see whole families. We see just kids and just adults. And you can see us for one portion of your care for whether it might be physical health or you might, you might come to us just for dental or just for behavioral health. So we don't, we don't limit one's ability to say you have to come to us for everything. If there's a certain gap in what you might need, come see us for that. And so that's that's kind of the all comers model for for you can you can meet us on that continuum wherever you see fit. And then I like that you might expand the care that you get just based on your experience and sure. what you might need down the line. I like how you said that we will we will meet you. 
where you're at on that continuum. And I think that's a good way to put it, uh, Kent. Um, so we, we did talk, you explained uh, like about the numerous services that at least one health, uh, CHC provide, uh, CHC provides. Is that normal? Uh, do, do, do other community health centers normal off normally offer this, um, medical and behavioral health and dental and pharmaceutical and substance use are are they that um wrap around in their services you know i think that's that's one of the claim to fames if you will for community health is that it's it's this integrated model where we're caring for the entire person and and, and we look at the person from lots of different angles or different vantage points realizing that taking care of one piece is taking care of one piece. And so I'd like to think that most of our community health center partners across the U S have an integrated model. It's just to what degree, you know, some health centers have the ability because of where they're located or the types of licensed folks that they might have, that they can take it deeper and deeper and wider. Um, in some of our rural and frontier partners across Montana and other rural frontier states, you know, you see sometimes there's a limitation based off, based on total population, based on staff that they're able to hire and talent that they have. But for the most part, you're, you're going to see this core community health center service line that's being delivered that's typically integrated medical and physical health with behavior and mental health and some sort of substance, you know, substance use, okay. even if it's not being provided directly by the health center they'll have partners or collaborations with other entities in and around their community, or they'll use technology to offer some sort of virtual Telehealth care. So, services. Exactly. Okay. Um, so on a high level, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but can you explain how some of those inter- integrated care services could work? Like, like let's say I go just because I'm worried I might have high blood pressure. Um, but uh, will will a behavioral health specialist or provider approach me during a visit, or will somebody notice my teeth and say, "Hey, you look like you need dental care too"? Or is that how it works? Or can you explain? Yeah, right. And and so for you know some of our locations, just the inf- just the infrastructure or the setup of the physical space may allow for different interactions to happen you know, within a certain visit. So you might be with Dr. Markin in an exam room having a physical health assessment. He may notice that you have needs in other areas, which he can very quickly connect you to other people and other services within the organization right there on the spot. If nothing else, at least an introduction to say, hey, we would like you to meet somebody on the dental team or somebody on our behavioral health staff, whether they can actually do a full-blown visit with you on the very day that you have in the very moment that you have your, you know, your medical visit might happen, or it could be shortly thereafter where you're then linked up and you, you build your trust and rapport with another staff um, person that can then bring you in and, and help you with those other things. So fascinating. So I like this because it's going back to this sort of holistic approach that you were explaining earlier when you're, when you're thinking about the whole person, is that what this is about that's why this integrated service model sort of serves to exist is because um, we're not just physical human beings we're more than that right we are behavioral and and vocational and volitional and sexual uh, human beings as well right right and so the goal is with these integrated services is to tap into each one of those parts if the patient is willing to 
um, be cared for in that capacity. Is that a good way of putting it, Dr. That's, Mark? It's a great way to put it. And there's, there's a lot of research in, into the question of what, what <clears throat> makes for health, right? So what, what are the components of, of life that lead to, you know, good health or not so good health? And, um, and when you break it down, <clears throat> there, are, there are things like your genetics, stuff you're born with, that influences your health. There are things that you do. You know, you, you exercise every day, you smoke every day, you, you know, so the things that, the activities that we engage in or, or not. Um, there are places where you live, you know, external circumstances. Do you have a house? Do you have a job? Do you have a family? Um, and, and then there's a part part of health is, is driven by medical care or access to health care. Um, and it turns out that's only a real small part <laughs> of what actually leads to health or not. Sure. And so really, as Kent mentioned, the, the goal of, of, of this type, this approach to care is to think about how does any organization like a community health center um, improve overall health for people? And, and we know that, you know, that, that, yeah, the mouth, the teeth are connected to the, to the body, the emotions, the mm. psychology is connected to the body. Sure. You know, so as you mentioned, we are whole people. So as, as the bit of the healthcare piece that affects health, we want to make sure we're taking as broad a view as possible and really trying to, to address more than just the, the healthcare specific stuff. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, one more question before we go. I think we've, we've covered a lot in a really short amount of time. Um, but uh, do, how do health centers uh, impact or, or help the economy of, of a town, particularly a rural town? Do they have an effect um, on, on the economy of, a, of a, maybe a small rural town? Yeah, and Dr. Mark may, may have specific numbers related to our organization. Um, but absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's another kind of downstream effect of having a community health center in, in any one community or across multiple communities is the impact that it makes from an economic standpoint, um, the viability and sustainability of, you know, growth in kind of the business sector. So if we look at our organization specifically, One Health, looking at multiple communities in which we have clinics and sites, when we think of, think of the number of people that we employ, we think of the, the, you know, the, the wages and, the dollars that are that are provided by an organization that's a Montana-based organization governed by Montana people in our communities, and then we 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 hire, train, and staff with people that live in our local communities mm. that spend dollars in the local community. So, I mean, we have what close, if not already, two hundred employees across all of our our sites. One hundred eighty-one. Yeah. So you know, you look at the impact that that makes on each of those individual local rural communities, which it's, it's huge. And then, and then we also have to take a peek at, as we've looked at our growth plan and we look at the renovation and revitalization of whether it's building new sites or renovating existing, call it, you know, our downtown, our downtown growth model, you know, as we've seen in a lot of rural Monta Montana communities, the downtown vibe has slowly been drying up over the years. And I, and I see, and I'm proud of the work that we've done in our communities to ensure that the legacy of our downtown part of our community is, 
you know, it's revitalized. We take buildings that have been mothballed. We, we bring them back to a state of having pride in that community and not just the, 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 the growth for the sake of growth, you know, where you, you just build a new building cause it's the easiest thing to do. Um, in some cases that's the smartest and best mm-hmm. way to go. But in, in most of our communities, if not all, um, we're, we're, we're supporting existing infrastructure, but we're bringing it up to a new standard and a new level through remodeling and renovation, or we're occupying space that would otherwise be vacant. So it, it has a huge impact mm. today and down the line because of what it's, it's, it's bringing viability and vibrance back to a part of a community that maybe we'd kind of look at and say, yeah, there's not a lot going on there. And, here we are and we have a presence and we have movement and motion and, and it's exciting. And I'm, I, and, and I think for a lot of our communities, folks in that community, it, it's something to celebrate and it's, they can be a part of something that we're, we're trying to do. And it's a togetherness thing. Terrific. What a, thank you so much for sharing that. And thanks for, for, for just joining me for this first episode. I, I almost wanted to stop you there, Kent, because I didn't want you to get too much into our third episode about what we're going to be talking about, but that's a great little uh, preview for the the third part in this series, um, which is going to talk about the future of what One Health has going on. So thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of the One in Five. If you found this content beneficial, please follow this podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or a platform that allows reviews, would you please leave us a review? It really helps us in the rankings. If you have any questions or would like to suggest a topic for us to discuss, you can email me at adam.renshaw at 1chc.org. Stay tuned. We have some great health topics coming your way.